0: I invite you to remain standing for our next reading in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God God will stand stand forever. forever. You may be seated. Pray with me. God, we give you thanks for this evening that we could come, that we could listen to these stories that we've likely heard before. Give us fresh ears to hear. May your spirit speak to us by the power of your word. May you both reveal to us the depth of our need for Christ, the depth of our sin, and also deeper yet, his mercy and his grace to cover our sin. May we lean into these tensions on this evening. May we rest on you alone for our grace, for our mercy, knowing that your steadfast love endures forever. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, this scene of Jesus in the garden is one of those passages that's always been really intriguing to me. There's so much going on in a passage like this from Jesus praying the prayers that he prays three times to even other accounts of this narrative. You find Jesus so intensely praying that he's sweating drops of blood to the disciples. I'm sure we can all relate with falling asleep multiple times. There's so much that we could talk about about this particular passage this evening. But tonight as we consider this uh, this narrative. We're going to focus and consider on this evening the loneliness of the cross. The loneliness of Jesus here in the garden. And when I say lonely, just to be clear, I'm not talking about... Jesus is not lonely in the sense of the Trinity. Even when Jesus dies on the cross, the Trinity is never separated. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always united, even in his death. That is not the... the, the loneliness that Jesus experiences. The loneliness that he experiences is the fact that only Jesus could could do what he was about to do here on the cross. I think we can feel Jesus' loneliness here in the garden. Right As Jesus goes into this garden, he goes to pray. Think about last night, he just had this last supper with the disciples. They go out into the garden to pray. He's by himself. And we should have these flashes, I think, of Genesis 1 in our minds. Jesus back in the garden. right, Thinking about the garden that he created with the Father and the Spirit in Genesis 1. And in Genesis, the the curse that, that man would work by the sweat of his brow. And now we see Jesus laboring by the sweat of his brow. Laboring to undo the curse that came through Adam and Eve. And this work that Jesus endures on this evening is lonely work his disciples can't even stay awake with him Peter you know eventually is going to deny him the work of Christ is lonely work for us as we think about the loneliness of Christ on the cross this is actually good news for us because of why he's lonely his work is lonely because only he can do it it's lonely because we actually cannot help him in this work, right? We can't even stay awake and pray. Our flesh is weak. You know, we we try to fast and can barely make it to lunch. We try to exercise, or at least I do, and can barely tie our shoes to go on a run. Our flesh is weak. We can't even do the things that we say we want to do. Our flesh is weak. Clearly, we can't even, they can't even walk with Jesus in this moment. He is alone, but he is alone because he actually has to be. In fact, this is the work that Jesus has come into this world to do. Right, God the Father has actually sent Jesus to do this work. We read about this actually in Isaiah. This is why he has come into the world. Only he can do it. You know, Romans chapter five is, gives us a great picture of this truth and unpacks the theology behind this in a beautiful way. But a, a short snapshot from Romans five from verse 17 through 18, says this, For if, because of one man's trespasses, speaking of Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. See, Jesus is the only one who can actually solve the problem that we're, we're under. He can, he's the only one that can solve our problem with sin. His disciples can't help. We can't do anything about it. We are helpless in this. We are actually asleep. And yet, even while we're asleep, Jesus is working. Jesus is laboring. Jesus is sorrowful because of our sin. And he offers atonement. Satisfying the wrath of God towards sin by putting himself actually under that wrath. Galatians 3 sums it up beautifully like this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is what Jesus is doing as he labors. He is actually becoming the curse for us. Only Christ, only the God-man, our new covenant head, could come and reverse the curse by taking the punishment for sin on himself. Because he was not born of the seed of Adam. He is not tainted, but he was born by the seed of the Father. He is divine. He is fully God, fully man. And this work he does for us, walking into the garden. And from the garden, facing uh, the cross, he does willingly. Like a lamb led to the solder, we've read... He knows what he is doing and he suffers the pain of it. He suffers the agony of it because he has a deep, profound love for you. A love that likely we will never understand even when we're with him in eternity. I don't know that we'll fully comprehend the depth of his love for you, for me. It's hard for us to accept this sometimes because we like to earn this kind of thing. We don't like when other people suffer on our behalf, do we? No, I want to suffer on my behalf. You don't need to bother yourself. But this is the one thing that we actually have to sit out of. This is not our fight to fight. This is his. You can't save yourself from sin, from your sin, from the effects of sin in your life. You can't save yourself from death. Only the God-man can. Only Christ can. And the good news of Friday is that he does. The amazing truth about this evening is that the victory of sin and death is not a partial victory, but a complete one. One uh, favorite theologian, Herman Bavinck, writes this about this night, that Jesus obliterates the sin so completely that it is as if they were never committed. It banishes wrath and causes God's face to shine upon his people in fatherly favor and goodwill. I'm going to read this one more time because I think it's so important for us. Jesus obliterates the sins, our sins so completely that it is as if they were never committed. It banishes wrath and causes God's face to shine upon his people in fatherly favor and goodwill. This is the effect of the work of Christ on the cross. It's so effective that for those who believe in Jesus, it's as if you never sinned before. Your sin is obliterated. It's destroyed. It's consumed. So on Good Friday, there's joy in our mourning Christ. There is laughter among our weeping. There is light shining in the darkness. But perhaps on Good Friday, we stare a little harder at the darkness, not to manufacture guilt, not to try to earn something, not in some sort of self-pity party, but to see more deeply just what Jesus has accomplished. To see more deeply what he has done. He wasn't playing games. Our sin is not a small thing. The effects of sin in our world is no small thing. You've all experienced both sides of this coin. But Jesus cared enough about your suffering. He cared enough about your sinful struggles. He cared enough about your struggles and addiction and bitterness. He, he cared enough about your battles with cancer and trying to get pregnant and anything else that burdens you. He cares enough about those things. To come and die himself. To bring those burdens on himself on the cross. To take care of them. To obliterate sin. His soul is not sorrowful here in this passage because of his own sin. He is spotless. It's because of yours and mine. Our sin, the effects of sin, the effects of being in a fallen world has caused Christ, the creator of all things, to be sorrowful because he loves you. It breaks him. Quite literally, this causes him to be broken on the cross and there's only one way for this to be dealt with. God had to come in the image of a man to be made flesh to bear the sins of the world. And The beautiful thing is this worked. His work works. Our sin is taken care of and if your faith is in Christ, your sin is no more. Fully, completely, full stop, it is taken care of. And although we still actually feel the effects of living in a fallen world, death will not be our end, but life will. And so as we consider the depths of our need this evening, as we consider the weariness of sin, let us do so by resting in the gospel truth. Let us hope that, that in Christ's loneliness, his loneliness is there because it's only work that he can do. So even in a, in a moment as I pray and as we move on to the next scene in our service we're going to feel this dissonance even more this evening as we continue to go down, descend even further than we already have in considering the death of Christ. But again, we do this not to make ourselves to be worthy, not to feel bad for the sake of feeling bad, but to be sober-minded, that we can be sober-minded about the reality of sin and our need for Christ. His work is lonely because it's only work that he can do. May we be a people who sees soberly the depths of our need for Christ in every area of our lives. And may we depend on him alone for our hope, for our joy, for our salvation. Amen. Pray with me. Christ, we give you thanks for your work on the cross, work that is beyond our full comprehension and understanding, and yet work that we can understand because you have redeemed us. And even when we still struggle with sin, both our sin and the effects of sin in our lives, living in a broken world, we know that you are making all things new even now. That you're redeeming us. You are redeeming this world. Hasten that day that you come and you make us experience in our day-to-day lives the the ceasing of sin. Hasten that day that we can see it with our eyes, that our, our faith becomes sight. Until that day, may we hold fast, may we walk in faith, and may we be sober-minded as we consider our need for you. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.